welcome to one, two, three, four, a podcast about two gals making a musical and more. <laughs> I forgot our intro. <laughs> it's our first time doing it. It's okay. But anyway, our podcast is called one, two, three, four. But why is it called that, Shelby? Well, tell our our avid listeners why our podcast well, is called. Hello, this. avid listeners. Uh, both Helen and I are followers of the Enneagram, sort of new to it, mm-hmm. but our our types are one, two for Helen and three, four for myself. And we'll talk about Enneagram a little more in a few minutes, but I think first we should talk about why why it struck our fancy to do a podcast in the first place, huh? Yes, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. So Shelby and I, we are, I guess, first and foremost, artists. Yes. Yeah. Um, Shelby is a playwright, I am a songwriter, and the two of us are right in the heart of a process, writing a brand new musical that's going to be debuting this year. And we are heavily focusing on the Enneagram in regards to our characters and how they communicate and how they react to certain issues and different things in their lives. And we just thought this would be a really good opportunity for us to just kind of throw it out there from the artist perspective. Absolutely. So we were actually kind of inspired to do this podcast by one of our newfound favorite bands, (laughs) Sleeping At Last. Uh, Ryan O'Neill is an amazing musician and songwriter, and he has actually written an entire album of songs, and each song is about one of the Enneagram types. Um, And it's written from their perspective, which is super fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, But for each of those songs, he actually did a podcast about the process of writing that song and also about the each Enneagram type and kind of who they are and how they think and how they might react to things. And one of my favorite things that he has said about the Enneagram and and its purpose is that it's a tool for empathy. Mm -hmm. And I think that both Helen and I are empaths. And I think that's part of why it has sort of clicked with us that the Enneagram is this really fascinating great tool for being better humans, but also for understanding other humans and why they act the way they do. Um, But yeah, if you are interested in learning more about the Enneagram, you should definitely check out his podcast. He has an expert on it who truly has some beautiful insights into each type. Um, But what, what is the Enneagram, Helen? What is it? You know, this is where it gets very fascinating because A lot of people think the Enneagram is another series of personality tests, right? You have like the Myers-Briggs personality test and you have, um, you know, numerology and all these other things, which are great for different facets of your life or different things you want to identify in your life. Um, But the Enneagram is much more than that, which I think is why it probably strikes a chord with us as artists as well, um, is it really encapsulates you as a whole throughout the entire course of your life. So um, typically once you are identified as a type, an Enneagram type, which we'll get into the different types here in a second, um, that's really who you are in your, throughout the entire course of your life, even in your childhood. Um, And a lot of it is identified by a specific childhood wound, not necessarily a big memorable trauma that happened in your childhood, but all of us are susceptible to, you know, specific childhood wounds or insecurities and Um, It's really based on that and then how we communicate with others, how we react to different things, who we are just internally as humans and how we interact with others. It's a very, very full-bodied, full-compassing thing that is just, there's endless information out there about 
There is endless information, but we'll talk a little bit today in detail about our specific types, and we'll sort of spread this out over the course of these podcasts. But what you could know about this that would be helpful is that there are nine types. So the Enneagram kind of icon that is synonymous with this um, this tool is a circle, and it almost it's almost reminiscent of like a pentagram, but not quite. <laughs> and uh, and it's it's sort of got the numbers in, in a circle around this icon, and you'll find that there are different um, connecting lines between numbers that relate to the way that certain numbers interact when they are. Um, in growth series or when they are maybe not doing so hot and they're in stressful series. But yeah, I think we would definitely recommend that if you're interested in learning more that you go to enneagraminstitute.com, which is like the professionals (laughs) who truly know how to describe and explain this. We can sort of like break it down into like really easy to consume pieces, but we're not experts. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But we're not yet. (laughs) But anyway, I feel like, because you are one, two, I think we should talk about your type first. You know, sure. Um, So I am a type one um, with a two wing. So I guess we should probably get into the wings. Yes. Just real quick synopsis about that. Um, So like Shelby mentioned, there are nine main Enneagram types. um, And then each type has a wing. So you can um, vary on either side of your type. So if you are a two you can either have a one wing or a three wing. Um, And that's just kind of an additional identifying factor about you, kind of different tendencies that you have. Um, Doesn't box you into one specific type because there are a lot of different, as Mm -hmm. we continue to find out, types and subtypes and variants and that kind of thing. So Yeah, um, and most Enneagram scholars will also talk about how you you probably have traits from both wings, mm -hmm. but whatever your core wing is is the one that you would say you identify as. Yes. Is a balanced wing, is that like an actual, like, can you be a true balanced I wing? I mean, I feel like I've I've been reading about it a bit, and some, like, it seems like there's like a 50-50 split on whether or not pe- people could truly be mm-hmm. a balanced wing. Um, but I feel like, I kind of believe you can. Yeah. Yeah. Humans are complex. Why not? You know, that's true. Yeah. And the Enneagram gives us that freedom to it do does. that. Freedom. Another reason why we love it so okay. much. Um, anyway, so... I am a type one um, with a two wing. So the type one is classically known as the reformer, um, also the perfectionist. So we're very rational, very principled. I uh, A good identifying factor if you know what you are is you feel very called out by your <laughs> type. And as I say these words to describe my type, I do feel called out, which means I know exactly <laughs> that I'm in the category I'm meant to be. Um, so yes, very self-controlled, very perfectionistic. Um, my two wing thankfully balances me out a little bit in regards to my relationships with others. The two is known as the helper. Mm-hmm. So very interpersonal, very um, people pleasing, uh, like to put other people's needs in front of their own. So basically I make spreadsheets on how I can put people's needs <laughs> over my own, <laughs> which is unfortunately very accurate we're laughing but i would believe that she would truly make a color-coded spreadsheet about this i may have a couple have already. you have you done that i mean maybe <laughs> i do i have spreadsheets about my personal life yes absolutely we'll get it you know I'll, I'll reveal what those are in time all right all right you need to earn it audience. exactly this is episode one let's not give them too much let's okay. keep them wanting more okay cool 
We'll talk a tiny bit about mine. I am a three. I'm a three wing four. And at its core, um, threes are known as the achievers. They are success oriented. They are driven. They are often image conscious. Um, we like to achieve and we like people to see us achieve. Uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, feeling called just out. being, yes, <laughs> so called out. Cause I, I think that while people can admire traits about threes, a lot of the stuff that describes us just kind of makes us sound terrible, like terrible people, like super fake. Um, but I do think that my four wing balances that out quite a bit. Um, fours are known as the individualists and they tend to be more sensitive. They tend to be artists. They tend to be um, expressive. Um, yeah. So I think I'm, I'm kind of an, an introverted go-getter, I guess. <laughs> If that makes sense. Um, I, I love to achieve and I love to do a lot of stuff, but then I need to recharge at home alone after I've been around all those people. <laughs> um, so our Enneagram types will come up quite a bit as we're talking. And as we dig into more about writing this musical, we have assigned each of our characters Enneagram numbers to help us um, sort of drive their actions and keep them... Uh, making sense and how they interact with each other. But let's talk a little bit more about us in a fun way. Yes, so, okay. I um, like that so idea. our musical, <laughs> Echoes, is going up this summer at the Brelby Theater Company in Glendale, Arizona. Um, how, how did we meet Helen? How did, how we, did yeah. we meet Shelby? Okay, well, I think we met in the exact way that we should have met, <laughs> <laughs> which is over email and social media. <laughs> So true. <laughs> Email for me, social media for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shelby is the owner, one of the owners of Brelby Theater Company. She's the LB of Brelby. Um, and we're coming up on our year anniversary, Shelby. We are. We're going to have a party. Yeah, we are. A very, very color coordinated party. Um, yes. So we met a, about a year ago. Um, Shelby put a call out for a music director for one of her productions that she was doing called Jasper in Deadland, which is written by the wonderful Ryan Scott Oliver, who's... We love you, Ryan! Shout out to him. Wonderful music. Composer. Yeah. Ugh, lovely. So good. So, good. Um, so she put out a call for a music director. I had never worked with Brelby. I had never met Shelby. And I was a scrappy music director looking for a gig. So I reached out to her kind of blindly, hoping that no one had filled the position yet. And I think we met like a day later, two we days later. We did. We went and got a drink at my favorite haunt in downtown <laughs> Glendale, Cuff. Shout out to Cuff. Shout if you've to never Cuff. gone there, you should. Their Brussels sprouts are the greatest food on the planet. So good. Um, but yeah, so we just sort of like chatted and it was a get to know you. And I was immediately struck by how organized you were. <laughs> <laughs> were you really? I didn't know this yeah. actually. I was. Aww. I also thought you you seemed very nervous to meet me. Oh, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Well, I mean, Shelby and I, the theater community in Arizona is not like... It's not large. It's not large. And so I knew that we had a lot of mutual contacts. True. I knew we had a lot of mutual friends. Yes. And so you never know, yeah. like, what people hear, what people say, or, you know, different reputations and that kind of thing, which thankfully I don't think either of us have poor reputations, so... Phew. Thank you. That would be your <laughs> worst nightmare. <laughs> yes. Oh, my inner three is quaking. <laughs> but yeah, we started working together on that show. Um, 
and I just kind of branded us the dream team. And since yeah, then, and it's stuck. Yep, we've worked together on a lot of a shows. lot of shows we have. And then, I mean, to be honest, one of my bucket list items has always been to write a musical, and I feel like. Helen and I clicked really well as just a team that works together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, hey. (laughs) Oh, you know what? I remember what sparked us writing a musical. It was a Facebook (laughs) thread. (laughs) So there was a Facebook thread between several of our friends. I forgot about um, this. That was kind of a joke. It was like around Christmas time. And it was a joke about Hallmark movies and how predictable they are. I posted uh, that I wish I was waiting for my life to turn into a Hallmark movie plot. Yes. And then we very quickly wrote one in the comment section, <laughs> really. Um, and it was just like ludicrous, like layering stereotype oh. upon stereotype, you know, snowy small town. And there was a dog. Ha- and, but it was like all about, you know, Helen's a, a music gal. So it was like, oh, a music teacher has to move to a small town to rediscover her love of songwriting and falls for the English teacher. It was very silly, but very plausible to be a Hallmark movie plot. So, hey, Hallmark, if you're looking, we'll write it. Um, (laughs) We're here. We're here. But we, someone, I think maybe Kevin, just joked about us turning it into a musical. Mm -hmm. And then, like, two days later, I was like, we should 100% write a musical, but Mm -hmm. not this. No, definitely not this. (laughs) So we knew we were going to write a musical and we had no plan. And so the first thing we did was we created some Google Doc. Shout out to Google Docs. We're just and, doing some of these Yeah. And we, uh, we had like a Google Doc that was meant for us to essentially just dump everything from our brain mm-hmm. into this one doc to see if we had overlap of interesting topics or things we'd want to tackle. And we had a lot of overlap, perhaps too much overlap. That document is large. And it's very soul-bearing. It's very soul-bearing. We actually, in real time, we're like sharing very, very personal things about ourselves. <laughs> that are still there in writing yeah. with our, our comments, our yeah. highlighted comments next to each other's life yes. experiences. So tag Helen, what what do you think was the next step that we were like, okay, we're seeing something form here? Um, I think, uh, well, I think the number one thing that you and I really put a focus on was that we wanted it to be focused on women. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, you know, we we didn't want it to be a man bashing musical, everyone Mm -hmm. calm down, but, Mm -hmm. um, it was very important for us to have really strong, um, female characters that, you know, maybe didn't centralize around a love story Mm -hmm. or maybe didn't centralize around the traditional, you know, a B A B storyline that exactly. seems to be, you know, the norm nowadays that sells, you know, mm-hmm. as one would say. We wanted it to be different. We wanted it to tackle um relationships between women and um real issues that are we're facing like every day in, in a modern society, whether that's LGBT issues or mental health issues and just things that we see in our community um all the time that really are super underrepresented um that was just a big thing for us to try and tackle the big issues in a tactful and beautiful way yeah I agree and I think we as we started seeing common threads about the issues that we felt really passionate about it sort of naturally started forming to where we were like I feel like this is about four different women Mm -hmm. like that was sort of just the way it started melding and so that was the next step we were like okay who are these who are these four characters and um, what would be a compelling story between them? 
So we kind of jokingly for a long time when people would ask us what it's about, we've been calling it like a dark sisterhood of the traveling pants. Yes. Which I think we still are kind of saying. It still fits. It's not, yeah, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not like copying the story of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but the spirit of like four women being drawn together and having some sort of connecting fiber even through challenges and growing up and changes in life. That That is a very valid theme that is absolutely part of our show. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to capture a lot of different relationships. We didn't necessarily want it to be just a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have, and we'll get into, you know, echoes totally, um, but we do have two sisters um, and then two friends. They're all childhood friends um, that grew up together. They We have the sister dynamic um, and they're all such very different personality types mm-hmm. and have such different life goals and plans mm-hmm. and histories. Um, so we really wanted to use those four women as like the channel for a lot of the different issues that we saw needed represented also. Absolutely. I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask for everyone else's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something that we obviously talked about a lot when we were first starting this process was what kind of aesthetic did we want this show to feel like? So that sort of dives a little bit into like what our personal tastes are like. Mm-hmm. So Helen, I would love for you to tell me like what is your favorite musical and oh, why? Oh my god! Because this definitely informs Echo's style quite a bit. Yes. So uh, my favorite musical in the whole world is the musical Once. And I need to look up who wrote it so I can give credit where credit is due. Well, Glenn Hansard and, and Marquetta um, or Glover or something. Like I that. actually like I saw once the movie when it was in the indie theaters oh, way back when gosh. I was in college. I went with one of my besties, Jessica, and I like I was so moved by that movie. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. Just like so beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I watched that movie. So my first introduction to that musical was the movie mm-hmm. also. I watched it just in my room by myself one night. I was looking for a really good movie and found it and rented it i think at blockbuster (laughs) i I rented it i had a dvd of it so i don't know how i got the dvd but i had it it was before way back in my day before (laughs) streaming i'm just kidding (laughs) but i had the dvd and so watched it alone just in my room one night and was like what is this magic um i had the awesome like opportunity to see it live here at Phoenix Theater. Did you see it at Phoenix Theater? I didn't. Oh my gosh! Shelby. I was in a show and I couldn't go. It it's was, like the it's oh. the curse of theater people that we so often cannot go and support our people mm-hmm. because we're tied up making our own art. But I yes. heard nothing but glowing reviews oh, about that show. It was. Ugh, I was just. I'll never forget. I'll never forget that show. You know what we should do? We should find out. We should figure out where it's. It's being produced like around here and just, and just go, go on a road trip just and go see, see it. it. Sure. At like a good theater. Yeah. But like, anyways. So that's my favorite musical ever, which for those of you who aren't familiar with one, since we just keep raving on about it, it's very indie, folksy, um, singer songwriter style. So um, all of the characters in the musical uh, play their own instruments in the live uh, musical. And it's a lot of string instrument based, um, a lot of guitars, a lot of um, violins and fiddles and. Um, there's a banjo and it's just, it's very folksy of it's set in Ireland. So it's just very, very acoustic and, um, raw and they are able to make just a very full body, just beautiful encapsulating sound 
um, with basically all string instruments and then one piano, which is also a string instrument technically. But um, <laughs> Helen's music teacher is showing right now. <laughs> Kids, did you know? I'm just kidding. Um, but yes, that is my favorite musical ever. And a dream of mine, like Shelby's, was to write a musical one day. It, I actually put it on a vision board um, before vision I met you. Board. Oh my God. It's on a vision board I actually have in my apartment that I did before I met you. What? And it was to write, I put write a musical on there. Um, I didn't know this. This is a fun new fact. We actually made vision <laughs> boards for New Year's Eve because that's the kind of people we are. <laughs> Which I still have. I still have yes. mine right next to the painting you did for me oh. with the Sleeping at Last song lyric. <laughs> Everything's coming full circle in this very first podcast. <laughs> so one of the things that we were really inspired by with Once was this concept of um, characters on stage openly being the band and creating the music. Mm -hmm. And so in our dream scenario as we're writing this, that is one of our goals with the supporting ensemble characters be being members of the band and stepping in and out of the story, but, but being present and like a visible part of the world. Mm -hmm. Which is a, a very daunting task it is. for two new musical writers. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, on the flip side, I guess it's not as daunting of a thing if, if you think of it from the perspective of two producers or two directors that have done shows in the past. It's true. And I will say, like, we're this is our first time writing a musical together, but I I have written many plays and Helen has written many songs. So it's not like we are completely inexperienced right. doing this for the very first time. <laughs> um, Thank God. Yeah, that would be, we'd be, what a challenge. This would be a different podcast if yeah. that were the case. Cool. So I feel like that definitely is a big factor in informing our aesthetic. Um, I, too, I'm also very drawn to newer shows, newer contemporary musical theater pieces. Um, I love the classics. Obviously, everyone's got their gateway theater drug. Mine, no shame here, was Cats. I don't care. I'll shout it from the rooftops. Um, Did you see the movie yet? I didn't yet. No, I didn't. I'm so It's hard when you have a toddler to go to yeah. the movies, to be honest, but... Um, I also feel like it's probably something I'd rather watch at home with a bottle of wine. Let's be honest, <laughs> not even a glass. Um, <laughs> I'm, I don't, I don't actually drink bottles of wine alone. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, okay. So, um, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm super drawn to contemporary musical theater names. Um, we mentioned Ryan Scott mm -hmm. Oliver before. Um, I'm very... I'm a very big fan of Kerrigan and Laddermilk. Um, I love the Mad Ones. I want to produce it so, 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 so badly. <laughs> Maybe it'll happen someday soon. It will. Um, Put it on a vision board. But I think chances are if someone asks me what my favorite musical is, it'll change on a monthly basis. But um, it's usually something that most of my friends aren't super familiar with, which is not me trying to be like, look at me. I know all the new things. But more that, like, my passion is 100% getting more people to listen to the new things. That's what I like to do. And so I'm excited to create a new thing for other people to listen to. Yes. Which, I mean, considering, you know, you saying that you like all the things that other people aren't interested in, how do you think that, I mean, shapes your theater? That's exactly it. Oh, it 100% shapes my theater. Um, it's funny because we, we just opened a show at Broadway this weekend. Um, Helen and I... We're on the directing team together for <laughs> Carrie the Musical, which is running through March 1st at Broly. Um, and at our preview audience, that came up a question about, oh, I noticed that you 
tend to do stuff people haven't really heard of. Is mm-hmm. that intentional? <laughs> it's very intentional. Um, there are some there are some great theaters in town here. I think people probably don't realize just how many theaters exist in the Arizona landscape. It's a lot. Um, but the truth is most of the theaters in Arizona are not super driven by producing new works. And that's something that we feel pretty passionate about. Uh, chances are if we're including something in our season, it's either never been seen in Arizona before, or if it has maybe once or twice tops. Um, so Carrie is not terribly produced here. It's, it's, a, it's a rarity. Um, the first show Helen and I worked on together, Jasper and Deadland, was definitely an Arizona premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I like to take risks. I like to do something a little different. It's my jam. I mean, that's why we're writing a musical, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> Right. So I guess we should probably get into the other types. Yeah. We got into ours, a very brief overview, which I'm sure more in-depth overviews will happen as we get into the characters of the show and I just agree. relationships with yeah. others. Um, but Shelby, do you want to get into some of the other Enneagram types that we have? So we covered one, two, three, and four. Yeah. Which encapsulates you and me. Absolutely. And so we've so, got... So yeah, moving on. To five. <laughs> five is the investigator. So these are the fives that I know in my life are very internal people. They love to um, they love to research and they love to learn. They tend to go down internet rabbit holes really easily. Um, but they have a deep desire to learn more about their universe and about the world around them. And I think that they tend to be preparers. I guess they would rather um, have information at their fingertips before they jump into something um, and be as knowledgeable as they can be about that topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to do the next one too? Because I don't actually. Sure. Who was the six that we know? James. Oh, okay. See, that yeah. Makes sense. Shout out to James, our friend the six. Yes. We're <laughs> shouting out all of our theater yeah. friends um, and company members. So six is the loyalist. Um, I feel like. Sixes are one big bear hug. They're they're um, the glue of friendship circles. They are um, committed to building community, and they are. Um, this is gonna sound negative, but um, one of the ways they were described on the Sleeping at Last podcast that I found fascinating was that they are um, the alarm ringers of our world and so they tend to be really aware if uh, something is off about something or someone um so i think they're very uh they're very prone to want to protect their people so they're super protective and they're super friendship driven awesome yeah okay i can get into the next two because i know i know some of the next cool cool so sevens um, are the enthusiasts. So my mom is actually a seven. Yes. So I've heavily researched this. Ugh, I want to meet your mom so badly. You will, she's coming to see Echoes. Yes. Yeah. And mom, now you're on the podcast, so now you have to come because the whole world has heard that you're I'm super coming. curious. I wonder what my mom is. I should make her take this Oh, test. you should. I have a theory my sister is a one. I know it's a big no-no. You're not supposed to type <laughs> people. They're supposed to discover it for themselves. Mm-hmm. But I said today, today, Shelby, I said, oh, he's probably a two. I said that about somebody and I thought, why am I doing that? I know that's like the number one rule. You're not supposed to do that. But oh well, we, we can't. We're it. still learning. We we're trying to break out of our bad habits. Right. We've told you guys we're not experts. We don't claim to be. Yeah. <laughs> we're just a couple of gals who like to make art. Um, okay. So seventh, the enthusiast. 
So they are the spontaneous friends that we have, the fun-loving mm-hmm. types, um, and the scattered types. Mm-hmm. Now that sounds also like a negative thing, um, but these are our friends that like to pick up and go when um, the going gets tough, or just in general when you're feeling restless. Um, really have the spirit of needing to be on the move and needing to kind of like be distracted mm-hmm. and kind of get out of town for a while. So these are our friends that are the spontaneous. Um, and then eights, um, which we know a couple of, these are known as the challengers, which initially can sound, I think, a little negative the way that I think eights are described sometimes. <clears throat> but um, they're our real self-confident ones. They're very decisive. They're confrontational. They know um, what they want and they're very driven to get it. Um, They also have a tendency to be a little more dominating or a little more powerful, Um, but there are real strong-willed friends that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, Our eights are. And then our last ones are the nines. Ah, nines. The peacemakers. I love nines. I do too. Yeah, one of my favorite people, Jen. Another shout out. Jen is a nine. (laughs) Um, but they're, um, they're very, yeah, they're easygoing, they're peaceful, they're, this is a stereotype, they're the most likely friend to do yoga. (laughs) Um, but genuinely, like, they, um, they're most at ease when everyone's getting along. Mm -hmm. They really, they really strive for peaceful environments and for everyone to take a step back and connect and communicate, um, the Sleeping At Last podcast about nine is so fascinating because they kind of get into this idea that nines are sort of this number that has a slight um, overview of every other number. So there's something all-encompassing about nines, which is kind of really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Fallon's a nine, too. Oh, right. I see it. Yeah, I see it, too. One of my other good friends is a nine, Abbott. Shout out to Abbott. What which a great I, name. You need to meet her. You guys would... Oh. You guys would be... Abbott. I feel like that's a beautiful character name. Oh, I know. We should probably... Put Filing that away. Yeah. Um, but she's a nine, and she is... Um, I never feel more at peace than when I am with Abbott. And I love that. She, that's how I feel about Jen. Yeah. Exactly. You just yeah. have those friends that you feel yeah. like, I feel safe. I feel yeah. at peace. And that's and exactly not judged. You mm-hmm. just feel like you could be yourself. And they can identify with you in, in so many different ways, because they just have that awareness yes. of the different types. I agree. Yeah. We went on a nine tangent just then. We did go on a nine tangent. I, I feel like nines. they need some love because anytime you see Enneagram stuff posted anywhere, it always starts with one and they just have to wait. Oh, that's so, so long. They have to be the last one all the time. They're so patient. Mm-hmm. Thank you, nines. Thank Which, you, I mean, nines. is classic. Of you. you guys are just happy everything's getting out there. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so that's a, a general overview of the nine types. Um, and there is so much that goes into each type, um, how they communicate, how they respond to things, where they regress to in stress, where they you know, thrive to when they're in a period of rest and happiness, um, which I think is all going to come naturally as we kind of like dive into the types of our characters in Echoes and just our relationships with others that we know that come up. Yeah, the podcast as well. I think today we could we could definitely share with you some some tidbits about our core four characters, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll save the rest for the next episode. Yes, um, but we could definitely share the types of our our core four women. Um, I'm super excited. I feel like the last couple of writing sessions we've just 
been discovering these characters, mm-hmm. which sounds so like artsy and it's very hippie. ridiculous, but <laughs> um, but it's true. I feel like we're finding the way they connect to each other. We're finding what their primary character arcs are in mm-hmm. the show, and each of them is having some sort of experience that I think um, is something that's not talked about enough. You know, like yes. there's a lot of topics in this show that I <clears throat> I feel like um, mental health and women's health tends to be something that almost feels a little taboo. Like we're not, we're keep, supposed to keep to ourselves and we're not supposed to share it with the world. And I feel like recently it's becoming really, really more apparent to me just how true that is. Just how much we're, we're just expected to sort of deal with these things when if we could get rid of that taboo, so many more women would be so much more prepared for adulthood and all the things that physically can happen to us yes. if we were sharing our experiences more. So I probably won't give away all of that today because I was gonna say, so much of it <coughs> so much of it is like really ingrained in the show and um, we wanna make you listen next time we have a podcast. But also we're gonna keep some things secret because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't wanna give the whole show away before we've opened it. Maybe we should think of really, like, excuse me, very, like, mysterious, like, vague things to keep people guessing on what it is. We could. And also, if you're local, if you happen to be local, we are workshopping um, Echoes in March. Yes. Um, So it's it's very limited. It's only two performances. So um, there are very, very limited seats to be a part of seeing it before it becomes a full production. But we're currently in the process of lining up a totally rock star cast mm. to um, tease this initial run of it. Um, but it'll be available at Relby. You can find it on our website. And uh, I hope that some of you will come out and sort of get a chance to watch this whole thing evolve. Yeah. Which I think was one of the reasons we wanted to do a podcast. Because, I mean, how often do you get to um, get in at the ground level with writers to sort of watch their process happen? Um, cool. Okay, so let's talk a tiny bit about the types of our core four. Let's do it. So we should talk about our sisters first, right? Yes. So we've got Gemma and Cassie. So why Gemma and Cassie? Oh, why did we name them that? (laughs) We can dive right into this. Um, so the very first song that we wrote, um, for Echoes was a duet between the two sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, uh, to put it vaguely, I mean, it's out there in the world now, but um, each of them was going through a specific challenge and they needed to tell the other one what was going on, mm-hmm. but they couldn't um, because of various fears and different things like that. So the song is really a back and forth between them on, I have these things I need to tell you, and then it all comes out at the end of the song. Yeah. Um, I feel like we could maybe, we could even like splice in a little a little edit from the video we recorded. We actually entered this oh. in a songwriting contest recently, mm-hmm. which was like a big stub for us. I don't know that I expect to... <clears throat> really anything to come of it but I'm proud of us for like putting ourselves out there and trying it was so. I mean it was a good jump yeah and I mean honestly so I'm gonna go on a small a small um, detour for a second okay about this process because um one thing that Ryan in sleeping at last said that he does <coughs> excuse me um is he will make voice memos <laughs> of his songs um so who it'll just that? be who does that <laughs> Shelby so what he'll do is he'll just play um, a series of chords on the piano or on the guitar, and you'll just hear him 
um, even just like saying la 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 or just like mumbling a melody um, without any words necessarily to it, which is how I write. And um, also how Shelby and I wrote this song. And I think, honestly, um, I could probably splice a little bit of our original writing session voice memos in here also, because I still have them, Shelby. How cool would that be? So, um, insert here, which I haven't listened to them yet. So, um, I have a voice memo of Shelby and I duetting this song, um, (gasps) in her house with some of the original lyrics and some of the original chord progressions. that will be so cool to hear (laughs) just kidding so Um, we're definitely more west end material yeah i mean that's our was you know and then educational after that but (laughs) we've got a plan imagine us planners a five-year plan what that's it 10 12 yeah so anyways so when we were writing this song um we really just kind of went with it turned on the voice memo and, and kept going and uh we knew that we had to name our sisters at this point so what we ended up naming our sisters after was um, constellations based on how the chorus of the song went. So That's true. yeah, we got our hook um, for our song um, in the chorus, which um, is mom used to say, we were just like night and day. So when you feel alone and dark as night, just look for me, the moon to be your light until the sun in you again will rise. So we knew yeah. that was going to be there defining thing that was going to be you know the sun and the moon that was going to be um really a big defining thing on who they were oh my gosh yeah we're also like surrounded by a lot of different sounds right now um but that was going to be a defining thing about them so we decided that we were going to name the sisters after constellations actually so um cassie is named after was it cassiopeia right yes and gemma I don't remember exactly which constellation Gemma was. Would shout out to my husband Brian because he's like a oh, big old science nerd, and so he immediately started throwing constellation suggestions at us. He and his dad used to do a lot of astronomy together when he was young. Um, so Gemma was suggested by Brian. Mm-hmm. But shout out to Brian. Yeah, I think Cassie was the first one we decided. It was like it just felt like an obvious choice. Yes, um, and I can't find it. That's okay. We'll give updates later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're going to talk about this yeah, musical a lot. Just a little so. bit. Um, yeah, so that's where we got their names from, actually, which is, you know, a testament to how the um, writing process goes. We started with song lyrics, took keywords out of it, and then just kind of went with it. So that was actually really, really exciting to be a super defining thing um, that we could like base our sister's relationship off of like yeah. right from the get-go of Cassie <laughs> Cassie is definitely the most dramatic of the four girls yes for sure we'll get more into that in future podcasts mm-hmm. but for sure but she uh she is in this in the show she is a singer-songwriter and so she's uh that's her her artistic outlet yes and her dream which let's be real most singer-songwriters are super dramatic <laughs> We need something to base our lyrics off of. So, so true. So true. Um, yeah, that's like that's very very fitting career for her. Do Absolutely. we want to give like a real vague 
Like a challenge that they're going through. Sure. But like super vague to where they don't actually know what it is. I mean, I think it could be vague. I mean, I also think, you know, we we have put this song out, so I don't think yes. that Gemma's I don't think what we're trying to be vague about is something we need to have. Oh, that's a good Gemma's point. Story that's a good point. Um, so this song even has evolved. We uh when we first wrote it, the idea was that Cassie was visiting Gemma in college. Um, Gemma's a year older. And this idea was that she kind of showed up and surprised her because um, she was having a hard time being away from her sister. They were so close. Uh, in the show, they um, lose their mother young. Well, their mother leaves them at a young age. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of grow up with just their dad, who is um, not a bad guy, but maybe not the warmest right. mental figure. Right. So they really like cling to each other and kind of grow up together, um, leaning on each other more than maybe is usually typical. Yes. Um, and so we have Cassie showing up uh, and sort of um, talking about how, you know, it might seem ridiculous, but, like, I just really miss you and I just want to see my sister. And so in this original version, uh, Cassie goes to see her in college and she is trying to um, prepare to tell Gemma that she's going to take a gap year to go and pursue music instead of joining her at college the next year. And Gemma... Is trying to figure out the way to tell her that she is uh, she's gay and that mm-hmm. she has not told anyone else that yet. Um, and as we really like dug in and we were playing with what the character arcs are, this song sort of evolved um, as the show evolved. A lot of the show takes place in one central location in this small town, and that central location is a church. Um, their father is a pastor at this church, mm-hmm. and that is sort of. Um, informing a lot of the the dynamics and a lot of um, the expectations that are placed on them when they're young. Uh, and so as we rewrote it, the new setting for this song is in the church um, after hours, so there's no one else there. But it's still the same concept. Um, Cassie is telling Gemma that she's not going to college, and Gemma is trying to figure out how to tell her that she's preparing to officially come out. And then in this revised version, we actually have their dad make an appearance at the end, which I think kind of really gave the song a lot more depth, actually. Yes. Yeah, I love the revised version so much more. Um, It has so much more depth to it once you get the dad's perspective as being, like, overhearing his daughter coming out Mm -hmm. and his reaction to it is maybe not necessarily what you'd expect Mm -hmm. um, considering the history of their relationship. Um, It just, it was crazy how just like such a very small, minute detail to the song and just a few tweaks in the lyrics, um, like totally identified like an entire character arc and like an entire relationship between the dad and Gemma. It was, it was really, really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, And we'll probably... We'll probably share the link to the video that we recorded to enter mm-hmm. the songwriting competition, which features three of our very lovely artists at Brelby playing oh. the roles. Um, Ixie Uptadel playing Gemma, Sarah Berry as Cassie, and Kevin Fenderson as uh, Pastor Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, you know, we're really proud of that song, and um, it was definitely the springboard for what the show became. Do you want to talk about the other two girls? Yeah. You want to talk about Sadie? I'll talk about Sadie. Absolutely. So Sadie is um, our our one. She is very principled. She is very, um, she has a desire to be good. She's very trustworthy. 
Um, and she is a therapist mm-hmm. by trade. So um, Sadie is the stability between the four girls. Um, a lot of the time she'll try and um, identify different problems that they're going through or try and psychoanalyze her friends um, in the sake of stability as a, a therapist would. <laughs> um, and that's like really one of her big identifying things. Now Sadie is um her story is definitely not centralized around um a love story that's for sure um Sadie has a very specific um challenge that a lot of women go through um kind of in the dating world and in like uh, being lonely and wanting you know different things and ends up with a relationship that I don't think she was quite expecting. Mm-hmm. I'm giving a very vague, very <laughs> vague, like come to the workshop and you'll see what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Um, but she uh, really has to adapt a lot um, and find the peace in like her new relationships that she has that she really wasn't expecting um, for her life. And it's really interesting to see that kind of evolve. Sadie also, um, as of this point, has like a really um, identifying moment where she kind of like goes off the deep end and psychoanalyzing her friends um, in act two, where it really, I think it does drive a wedge between them a little bit in their adulthood, but also um, is a big dose of honesty. I think a lot of them really need, and that is, that is Sadie. She is very, very honest, Mm -hmm. brutally honest, um, which is definitely a whole different dynamic than like, you know, our two sisters. Because I always think, you know, in the, the song with the two sisters, if Sadie were to be there, Sadie would just be like, would you just, sh- like, shut up and just, like, tell each other already? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, she, she'd just kind of be like, yeah. just get it out there. She's not super touchy-feely. Exactly. Very principled. Um, so uh, Principled. It's, what number is Sadie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she is a one. <laughs> yep. She is my, my sister, you know, basically. Um but yeah, it's I, I like seeing the very chaotic and rhythmic way that Sadie's life kind of like moves. And you'll notice in her songs as well, um, they're going to be very, um, there's going to be like a heavy percussion on, on how they work so that it's like a real, um, like ode to time and stability and just a constant all the way through is, mm-hmm. is kind of how I want to approach a lot of Sadie songs is mm-hmm. very rhythmic and very, a lot of like heavy emphasis on percussion and um, a steady rhythm through that as well in her songs, which I think is a good testament to her personality as well. And her Enneagram type, definitely. Um, and then our last of the four women is Callie. Mm-hmm. So Callie is seven. Um, so she is just our fun, loving, spontaneous, um, hippie. (laughs) Um, but Callie's story is also very different and also something that a a very specific challenge that women face as well, but very different than Sadie's. Um, so Callie is happily married, Mm -hmm. um, very happily married. Um, she's got a wonderful love story. She is very adventurous. She, um, her, Mom is a very, like, identifying um, character in the show as well. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see, like, how her upbringing really, like, helped shape her in, like, her 
optimism and her versatility and just how different and fun-loving she is. Um, but she does have a very, you know, dark thing that she goes through as well that she has to deal with. And you kind of see how her Enneagram type um, helps her to combat that and helps her to deal with that, which you end up, you know, seeing her songs as very, um, you know, dealing with the situation and seeing the optimistic side of it, seeing what she does have and um, how that can be enough for her despite what she can't have. Um, and her Enneagram type, I think, definitely um, shows in how she deals with her challenges and how she kind of responds to them. It's 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 really been great to type them because it helps with the process on how lyrically and even like in the script, I'm sure we see how they respond to different things. I agree. We've got this song in the works for Kelly that I'm really excited about. And it kind of makes me think of uh, Meg March a little bit. <laughs> we Before we did our first writing session, we went and saw the new Little Women movie and loved it. Ugh. I steadily wept the whole movie. So good. <laughs> a steady stream of a t- single tear at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, but Callie's kind of got this, um, you know what? What's what's my dream might not be your dream, but my dream is perfect for me kind of song where it's like, love is, love is what I want. Mm-hmm. Love is good enough for me. And it's okay if it's not enough for you, but you need to respect that that's what I want in life. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think we could all use a heavy dose of that sometimes about respecting what everyone's respective dreams are and cheering for them when they get those dreams, you know? Yes, exactly. And also, I even think the contrast between Sadie and Callie um, being, Sadie being a one and Callie being a seven. So when we outline this musical, we put um, everything on note cards and Mm post-its and everything. And uh, on Sadie's songs, there's bullet points Mm -hmm. for everything that her songs are. And on Callie's, it's just one free phrase, which (laughs) is love is enough for me, ladies. You know, and Sadie is this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. And I just think what a testament to their Enneagram types too, because if they were, you know, actual real people, that is exactly how they would write out the synopsis of what they want their story to be. Yes, absolutely. I feel like we're probably prepping to wrap up here. We're about to dig into a writing session. So we might be letting you all go for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, but thank you for tuning in. If yes. you ton- tuned in, toned in. I made it so long without mispronouncing a word, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but we appreciate you. And I hope that you enjoyed us rambling about this new show. And I hope that if you're local, you'll consider popping in and following the process. Uh, we're really excited about it. And we're hoping that we are able to put something out into the world that inspires people and, um, Maybe make some people feel heard that aren't always heard. And yeah. Yeah. And we promise we'll have a nice little outro for the next podcast that we did not. Unless, did you have one already? No. No. I didn't. Yeah. It's okay. We'll just say bye. It's fine. Okay. Thanks for listening. One, two, three. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I thought you were going to say one, two, three, four, the name of the podcast. (laughs)